Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Welcome to our study of a series I have entitled, As in the Days of Noah. That phrase comes from the Olivet Discourse. In the last week, Passion Week, before Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, resurrected, and then 40 days later went into the heavenlies, he preached on the Mount of Olives what is referred to as the Olivet Discourse. He made a statement, Matthew 24, verse 37, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. That's a five-hour series that I have on CD, a audio series that will help you understand the times in which we're living. What he says in this passage of Scripture is that when you replicate the days as they were in Noah's time, you can recognize that is the time of his coming back to the earth. May I invite you to take a few moments now and listen to an introduction to this series as it was in the days of Noah. On Tuesday, he's returning from the Mount of Olives and he stops, excuse me, returning from the Temple Mount and he stops on the Mount of Olives having just walked out of the temple, and we're now at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 1. And here's what he has to say. And Jesus went out and departing from the temple, and his disciples came unto him to show him the buildings of the temple. By the way, the rabbi said, if you'd never seen Herod's temple, you've never seen a beautiful building, 21 stories high, covered with gold, majestic as it was. Even the man who was responsible for giving the command to destroy the temple and that was General Titus of the Roman army in 70 AD. He made this statement that I've traveled all over the world and this is the most majestic building I've ever seen in my life. Unbelievable. And so they're talking about the temple. Look at verse 2 now, Matthew 24. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all of these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. In other words, you're looking at this majestic building. He says there's not going to be a stone upon a stone found on this building. Almost 40 years to the day after he made the statement, that prophecy was fulfilled. I was uh, not too long ago up on the Mount with Mayor Bendov, who's the archaeologist responsible for doing all the, uh, the archaeological digs and everything on the Temple Mount. And I asked him, I said, Mayor, have you ever been able to find one stone upon another stone here on the Temple Mount? Now, he's a secular Jew. He has no idea of why I'm asking the question. Doesn't want to help me by any means. And so he said, no, I have never found one stone upon a stone on this mount. What happened actually was in 70 AD, General Titus, having been bivouacked for about three years on the Mount of Olives with his, his mighty Roman army, in order to motivate them as they started down the side of the Kidron Valley to go up and destroy the temple, he told his men, he said, look, you see all that gold on that building? He said, you can have all the gold, every bit of the gold. Well, the building caught fire and uh, it started to burn, and the gold started to melt. And if, I don't know if you understand it or not, but the stones on the Temple Mount are like this. They are not cemented together, but they're just laying on top of each other. And there's space in there in between those stones, and that gold, as it melted, ran among those stones. And those Roman soldiers, literally realizing they could take all that gold, came down and ripped every stone upon every stone so that they could get the gold out of there. And the prophecy was fulfilled exactly like Jesus said it would be. Anyway, he said, this is not going to 
You're not going to see a stone upon a stone. Now look at verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying... By the way, notice he sat upon the Mount of Olives. That's the way a rabbi teaches. He doesn't stand. He sits down when he teaches. But he sat upon the Mount of Olives. His disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? Now, there's going to be three questions here. Here's the first question. The first question is, when is it going to be that there won't be a stone upon a stone? He does not respond to that question here. In the book of Luke chapter 21, he responds. It's another parallel passage that records the same event. He does respond there, but he doesn't in Matthew 24. The next two questions he will respond to. They ask him, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And I, I have a King James Bible, and I love the King James Bible, so I'm not attacking it. Uh, but I, the word there is eon, and it's not necessarily talking about world. It's talking about the end of the age, the end of a period of time. And so they ask two questions. What is it going to be like when you come back? Give us some signs of your second coming and give us some signs of the end of this particular age. In other words, and we'll see as we look at the last half of the Olivet Discourse, this special prophecy conference, that he's talking about moving into the millennial kingdom. So what is it going to be like? How is it going to be leading up to that period of time before we move into the millennial kingdom? That special time of peace on earth for a thousand year period of time. Those are the two questions, and that's what he's going to deal with here in Matthew 24 in the Olivet Discourse. Jesus starts to answer, and he starts to tell them what is going to happen. Now, I want to spend a few moments talking about, first of all, the doctrine of this unbelievable prophecy conference. Then we'll talk about the details of this prophecy conference, the message that Jesus Christ gives on the Mount of Olives. And finally, we're going to talk about the dynamics of this particular message and how dynamic a preacher he was. And some might even consider it sensationalism, what he's going to have to say, but I think it will help us to understand the times in which we're living. First of all, I want you to know that this is not a message to the church. In fact, the church is never mentioned are even alluded to in Matthew chapter 24. If you don't understand that, you're going to be very confused as it starts to unfold what eschatology this is, what are we talking about, what events in the end times are we talking about. I have the two mic stands, which I use almost every time I'm here to preach, and then I have the, uh, the music stand here in the middle, and I want them to, these things to represent the three main events in God's calendar of activities in the future. And I'm going to, when we put this roadmap through the end times events that will unfold, I'm going to put the segments of Matthew 24 on this particular roadmap through the end times. This is the rapture of the church. 6,000 years ago, God creates man. Come along for 4,000 years. Jesus Christ comes, lives, died, buried, resurrects, go to heaven. Come along for 2,000 years. This is the next event represented by this mic stand. Jesus shouts, the archangel shouts, the trumpet God sounds, and we go up to be with him, the rapture of the church. Then there's a seven-year period of time called the tribulation period. Seven years of terrible trouble, judgment upon the face of the earth. The music stand represents the revelation of Christ when he gets on his white horse. He comes back to the earth and he's going to establish a thousand year millennial kingdom. There will be a battle of Armageddon, of course. But then after that, he has this thousand year period of time called the millennium 
or that thousand year kingdom period. This last mic stand represents the great white throne judgment at which time Jesus Christ will be the judge. He'll sentence those rejecting him on the lake of fire, which is the second death. And then after that, new, new heaven, new earth, and eternity future, new Jerusalem as well. When we're talking about Matthew 24, he is not responding to a question, tell us signs of the rapture of the church. Because the rapture of the church, as you heard if you were here yesterday, is not a part of the day of the Lord. The rapture of the church takes place before the day of the Lord. So we're not t- he's not talking about the rapture of the church. He's talking about the second coming. When are you coming again? The church is not even on the scene. Let me just remind you, there's a biblical principle you must constantly keep in mind if you're going to understand what the Word of God is talking about, especially when it comes to prophecy. There are three strands in the human family. 1 Corinthians 10.32 says there are Gentiles, Jews, and Christians. For the first 2,000 years of human history, from Genesis 1 to Genesis 12, only Gentiles on the face of the earth. From Genesis chapter 12 to Acts chapter 2, I'll say that again, from Genesis 12 to Acts chapter 2, that includes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts 1. From Genesis 12 to Acts chapter 2, there's only Gentiles and Jews upon the face of the earth. No Christians. A believing Jew or a believing Gentile, that's how they were referred to. They were believing Jews or believing Gentiles. At this point in Matthew 24, he's talking to a group of disciples on the Temple Mount, uh, on the Mount of Olives with him. And those are believing Jews that he's talking about. They are not Christians. Now, these people were transitional and they moved from one period into another period. So they did become Christians as well. But the church did not come into existence until after the rapture of the church, until after the resurrection of Christ. And between the resurrection of Christ and the rapture of the church is that church period. And so there are only Christians during that point in time. Before and or after, no Christians, believing Jews, believing Gentiles. The only times Christians are involved would be during that period of time between the resurrection of Christ and the rapture of the church. Approximately a 2,000 year period of time. And in the scriptures from Acts chapter 2 to Revelation chapter 22. Thank you very much for joining with us to study as it was in the days of Noah. That is a series taken from the Olivet Discourse recorded in Matthew 24 and 25, Mark 13 and Luke 21. This phrase, as it was in the days of Noah, gives us evidence as to how soon it may well be when Jesus will shout, the archangel will shout, the trouble of God will sound, and we will be caught up to be with him. Jesus said, when you replicate those days as they were in Noah's day, that's the time that I will be coming. And as we continue to study this, you'll understand we are indeed living in those days. If you're interested in our CD series, As It Was in the Days of Noah, you can go to our website, www.prophecytoday.com, or you can call our toll-free number, 877-674-3298. This way, you'll be able to have your own copy of the five-hour CD audio series, As It Was in the Days of Noah. Thank you very much for listening to this short segment of this series. And uh, let me just remind you, everything that we've said in this study 
is indicative of the fact we are quickly approaching the time when Jesus will shout and will be caught up to be with him. Having said that, nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until.